she is hard. Her voice screams callous and her touch raw. You think she doesn't care, but she does and she always has. You mistook her tenacity for bitch. She is quick. She can time travel like you've never seen before. You saw her tomorrow and didn't realize because you were stuck in yesterday. You mistook her forward thinking for Detroit. She is quiet. Her silence scares you because it makes you unsure of yourself. She compels you to swallow and taste your vices. You mistook her composure for judgment. She is vital. Her urgency in this room is undeniable. Your rejection of it only ensures that her visit maintains. You mistook her necessity for oppression. She is unseen. If you had to guess, she would be everywhere and nowhere. Her body is not contained to the visible realm. You mistook her presence for absence. She is radical. Her mind is bottomless, but not like oceans, bottomless like black history and panther bullets. You mistook her revolutionary for hostility. She is secure. Her ego suffocates her inner zealous. You wonder who could be that home. You mistook her confidence for hubris. She is sweet. She is diligent. She is imperfect. She is voice. She is ready. She is now and then. If you asked her why she is always misunderstood, why she is a giver even when we are takers, she would tell you it is because she is a leader. Oh my goodness. Welcome to Our Emerge Reflections. We have such a special guest today. I'm so honored. We have Dr. Lornika, a life coach and author of The Right Things, Wrong Season book. It is a must read. My listeners, I'm telling you, she goes so deep, so deep that I have to still look at myself. I'm still not where I need to be. I'm so excited to have her on. She is a very well-known speaker and she's a pharmacist. She's a doctor. Welcome to Our Emerge Reflections, Dr. Lernica. Thank you. Thank you so much, Andrea, for having me. It is truly, truly a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to our engaging conversation this morning. That's really what it is. And it's going to be. I, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm really taken back by you. I mean, a doctor just, I, I have an idea of what it takes, the education, the studying, the commitment, um, and just doing it as a black woman, you know, the different adversities you had to face along the way to make this happen. And then pivoting to write a book, pivoting to be a speaker, I need you to speak to the audience and, and to the women and to the men, because I have a lot of men listeners as well. How did you navigate through all of this as a woman of color? Wow. So let me first say, Andrea, um, coming from what you already know, um, I'm originally from the Bahamas. Okay. Um, most people are familiar with it being the place as big as a vacation spot. But mm-hmm. one of the things that really challenges us is not so much racism, but it's more classism. Mm-hmm. But when I came to America to uh, fulfill my dream of not only becoming a woman, I mean, becoming a, a black doctor and improving my community, I was literally shocked and surprised. And I had my experience of racism. And it was not until, because I, I had read and, you know, being on social media, I had read people who've had their experiences, but it wasn't until I remember um, just for, you know, protection spaces and purpose of protection. I won't say the name of my employer, but I remember going to a specific store. This was when I just moved to Central Florida to the Orlando area. And I had a Caucasian woman 
um, older. She was probably in her 60s or 70s. And it was my myself and one of my other technicians at the time. And she came in, took brought in a prescription as I was further back into the pharmacy. And so you could see me, but you can't really see. You just know that someone was there and she saw the white coat. And right. so I remember it like yesterday, Andrea, and I heard her say, I do not want that black woman touching my prescription. Where is the pharmacist? <gasps> yeah. No. She didn't stutter. She spoke very clearly. What did you say? So I listened and I heard it and I shook my head and I was like, so this is the kind of day that I'm about to have, right? And my staff, at the time, I was expecting at least three to four other texts to come in, but it was early in the morning. So it was just me and this one other, um, this one technician who was Caucasian. So in the Central Florida area where I work, it's predominantly Caucasians, the people, the, the demographics are baby boomers there, you know, either from up north or New York or, you know, have multiple homes. So these are privileged people, people who look at me like, are you really the pharmacist? How did you get here? Where is the pharmacist? Where is your pharmacy manager? My pharmacy manager is not here. Yes, I am a pharmacist. Yes, I obtained my doctorate degree like everyone else. And I, so this woman I said to her, I allowed their technician and technician was trying to, she's like, no, we're not, you, you can't speak that way. She is very qualified. Um, she's been working with Walgreens for years, but you can't speak to her that way. She probably heard you. And I'm hearing the conversation with my technician. And so she's going on. And so she said she wants to wait for her prescription. And mm -hmm. so my technician comes back. I'm so sorry. This is not what normally happens to our store. I said, it's okay. I got this because I already knew and understood that as a leader yeah. that I cannot uh, react without understanding the mindset. And yeah. so because I knew where I was, because I knew I was not only in America, but I was in a, in a place that was predominantly Caucasian, I was prepared and I could not allow this woman who hasn't had an interaction with a black person to bring out what I would say or what we would say the blackness in me. So mm -hmm. I guess she expected me to react based on what she saw are known of black people. Mm -hmm. And so in so many words, Andrea, you know, she didn't, she wanted, she needed to wait because at the time her prescription was an antibiotic and let's, you know, it, you, have, you have an infection. And mm -hmm. so you can either decide to come back or you can go to another location. And so she's going on and she's sitting down. And um, so my technician continues to apologize. I said, just fill a prescription. But I said, when it's time to ring her up, I'm going to ring her up. And so I walked up with my white coat. There was nothing to flex because I will, I knew I already had worked. So there was nothing to prove as a black woman. I earned my doctor degree. I earned my minor in communications. So if you want me to respect you, you're going to have to respect me. And so I said to her, you know, I referred to her as her last name. And I said, you know, I, I guess you expected me to be offended. I said, I heard your comment. Um, but I said to her, I said, I'm not going to allow you or any patient to disrespect me. I said, I've earned my right to be here. I said, by all means, you don't have to pick up your prescription. You can come back later on when the Caucasian or my counterpart, you know, who is a pharmacy manager, he will be here later. And so she paused. She went real quiet for at least, I want to say three to five minutes. Well, I'm sorry because I just, I don't expect black people here. How long have you been coming here? Oh my God, this is getting worse. No, she's digging a deeper hole. 
He's just digging a deeper hole. And so I'm I'm doing myself talking. I'm like, Holy Spirit, you you you're gonna have to help me. You're gonna have to help me. And so I decided to take it upon myself. And this is why emotional intelligence is so important in the workplace. Because sometimes we think we just need emotional intelligence when it comes to uh, relationship, platonic or romantic. We yeah. need, especially now in this climate, to be able to exercise emotional intelligence when it comes to dealing with people, especially corporately. Because had I responded the way she expected, Andrea, that would have been a, an email and a phone call to corporate and I would have been let go without an explanation. Even yeah. though she was wrong. Yes. The customer is always right. But what I, I decided to do was I rang up, I rang her up and mm-hmm. I said, Ms. So-and-so, can you give me a few minutes? I said, I need you to come into my consultation room and I need to, I would like to speak with you. So of course she was hesitant. So now this black woman is taking me into a room, oh, you know? So she sat down and I explained, I said, I don't know what experiences you've had with black people, but I said, I want to share with you that what you thought and what you expected, everyone is not the same. I said, I could have very well said that you as a white woman, you you could have been, you could have treated me and your feelings, your privilege, you're racist, you're mean. I've met white people who are not acting and behaving the way you are. So as a pharmacist, understand that my concern and my purpose here today, working at this store is to make sure that you are well. I have no gain in trying to kill you, make you upset or anything, but I said, if you're going to see me and there are going to be other people of color that deserve and work hard to be in this space, we don't deserve your disrespect. Amen. Amen. How did she react to that? She was just quiet. Interestingly enough, I, I didn't return to that store um, because I had I'd finally gotten to a home store where I didn't have to go to different locations. Come to find out, she actually sent an email. She emailed corporate in detail, three paragraphs explaining how she communicated and how she behaved. And she would like to apologize to the young, intelligent pharmacist who served her. Wow. I mean, this woman, she explained how she was not, she had never really encountered Black people. And what she know is from her history, that her mother and her grandmother, she had never met young Black intelligent women. What she knew on TV was that we are always angry and that we're, you know, I'm not going to say the word, you know, the N word, but she said, you guys have a great employer and I just want to apologize to her because I did not see her at that store again. That's changed and I will never forget that experience. You know, Ronika, the way you handled it was everything. It was maturity. It was control. It was respect for yourself, for her as a client, as a customer. But you took that moment to give her a learning experience and it changed everything. Even if it was for a moment, it changed enough for her to put pen to paper and send a note to corporate. Yes. Yes. That you could, that could have went so left. And why is it so important for us to always remember control and not allow our emotions to take over? Because like you said, you did not know what her past experiences were. Mm -hmm. Wow. That story is going to live inside of me forever. Because sometimes I got to be very honest with you. I've been in corporate for over 23 years. Uh And I always remember how you treat people, no matter how they treat you, it doesn't matter. They're the client, they're the investor. 
you know, we have their money. So I have experienced, you know, myself, that type of behavior, you know, you know, people coming in, I won't mention any names as well to the office and saying, Hey, I'm looking for Andrea. And I said, I am Andrea. They're like, Oh, I says, I know I'm black. (laughs) And I make it, I say it in such a kind way that I said, it's okay. I get it all the time. And it opens up the doors for why you even thought that I was white. Yes. And, and, and that's, and, and, and after that experience, Andrea, Mm -hmm. it has definitely, because like I said, for coming from the Caribbean and coming from the Western culture, uh, particularly, again, this was my first time I've watched movies and I've seen things and I have, you know, other black professional women who, you know, were in this space and I've heard of the racism and the racist stories, but I was just like, you know, I didn't understand it. And so I'm starting to get it and I have gotten it that Mm -hmm. it's not so much where Black people and women of color who have worked hard, we deserve to be in these corporate spaces. It's not that we're trying to prove a point. The the, the, the reality is I deserve to be here just as much as you deserve to be here. My name deserves to be on the wall just as much as you think, you know, other white pharmacists names deserve to be on the wall. We all deserve a piece of the pie in America. And so this whole privilege and white supremacy, I get it now. It's not about who deserves what it's, I'm a human being just like you. Mm. I was made in God's image just like you, but you don't deserve to get to disrespect me and I don't deserve to take your disrespect. Amen. The way you articulate yourself and and I when people say this, you know, your diction is very well, it's like are we not supposed to speak proper English? I'm just a little confused by these different slurs that are put upon us. And sometimes to be honest with you, I can't even respond. Because not every day am I in a place like you are to always school people. Sometimes I'm in a place of you're just ignorant and crass. Yeah. And sometimes I can't. It's like I hear Black women saying this all the time. Why do I have to explain to you how you're conducting yourself is wrong? Why can't you go pick up a book and go read and learn like we all have to do? Yeah, I want you to get into a little bit about your book because it's a book I feel everyone should have on their bookshelves. I have a lot of books. <laughs> I really do. I want you, when you started to write, what made you write this book, first of all? What was the push? What did you want to gain? And where can people find this book to add to their bookshelves at home? Okay, so... I initially, Andrea, and we're being authentic and transparent. Initially, um, when I first started putting pen to paper Mm -hmm. um, with my book, it was, I want other women to learn of my story, but it wasn't so much just my story. I wanted other women to find themselves in my story. Mm -hmm. I wanted people, I wanted women that read the book, whether they were young, seasoned, Gen Z, wherever you find yourself Mm -hmm. on the poll, I wanted them to understand that it's not what happened to you, but it's what you can do to change what has happened to you to work for you. Mm -hmm. And so I've had experiences coming from the Bahamas, going through a broken place, and I had seen an old overcame a lot of the the experiences. So I said, you know what? If I was to, whenever I leave this earth and we all are going to transition, I want a piece of my story. I want someone to find hope 
in darkness. I want a young woman who has gone through a really bad relationship, who feels as though, you know, her parents or her family members were not perfect, but she just doesn't know how to get from point A to point B. And so right things wrong season initially stemmed out of a broken relationship, romantic relationship, where I I became friends with a guy and we had dated for about six months or so and the relationship ended really badly. So much so, Andrea, that I lost seven pounds in one week. That's stress. That it, it was the stress, yes. And it was holding on to the promise even though I had no confirmation. Mm. He looked like my prayer life and everything, the prayer list and everything that I wanted in a man. But one of the things that I will never forget, which I mentioned in my book, Right Things, Wrong Season, and it was hearing God's voice say to me, because I slept in my closet. This was while I was in college. Mm. I slept. That's how much I cried and cried and cried, Andrea. Mm. When you don't know who you are, it, it's it's amazing how much we exhaust ourselves for people. How much we accept. Yes. And yeah. I remember God saying to me, you never asked me if this was the time to pursue that kind of relationship. Hence the title, Right Things, Wrong Season. He was a good man. The purpose was to court and date and get married, but it wasn't the time. I wasn't well. He wasn't well. There were things that he needed to deal with as a man. And one of the things that I think we do as individuals, as you've said, with men and women listening to this, um, to the podcast, Andrea, we think that we can change people. You can't change nobody who doesn't want to be changed. Only God can change people. And so I thought as a Black, intelligent woman who had it all together, if I did this, he'll stay. If I change this, if I stop being trying to be successful, then he'd stay around. He didn't stay, which meant that I wasn't for him and he wasn't for me. So right things and wrong season was is literally a book about maximizing every season of your life, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're unemployed, whether you don't know, whether you don't have support or have support. Wherever you find yourself, you have an assignment. And that assignment is for you to make the most out of it. So whether you get married or not, is your life not still meant chasing? Is your purpose and your assignment? Is that promotion on your job not worth going after? You're waiting on a man and a woman to change your relationship status. And when they don't, you're still sitting here stuck and God is waiting on you like, Andrea, when are you going to start the podcast? Okay. When are you going to go after that promotion? Dr. Lornika, when are you going to? And I'm in the middle of writing my second book, which is Redefining Wellness. on? Wait for that one. What are you waiting on? And so I I had to redefine and break out of this box of people telling me, well, you can't do that. You're not married. You can't do that. You're a single woman. We, where do we get this from? Where we've allowed society to put all of these labels on us. And when they, they put these labels on us, we accept them. And then we become stagnant. We don't do anything. We don't travel. We don't go back to school. We don't save that amount of money. We don't have those conversations with our loved ones because, you know, I'm just not going to talk to you because when I get married, I'm going to be done with you. What if you don't get married? Right. Is life over? Right. Is life over? What if you don't have children? What if the person that abused you never says sorry? Mm. I put your life on hold. And so that was the premise and is the premise of right things, wrong season. How to walk away Mm. when your heart wants to stay. 
Listeners, I need you to just be still for just a few seconds and just take that in. Just for a few seconds, please be still and just take in what Dr. Bernica just said. I'm receiving it and I really hope that you are because I have chills on my arms because how many of us have been right there and how many of us are still stuck right there? Why are we afraid to move? Why are we afraid of change? I need you to talk about this, Dr. Lernika. Why are people afraid of change? It's uncomfortable. You got to start over. Comfort, being in the same place, waking up, taking a shower, whatever you do every day, it's the routine. Routine doesn't quite require a stretch. It's almost like working out and I, I've always been, I've gotten back into it even more. I'm not led to go back into the gym as yet. Of course, we are in the middle of a pandemic. Um, but one of the things that I, I, I do as a coach is also coaching myself along with coaching clients. And so I started back with weights and everything. And so literally I woke up the next day, Andrea, and I was aching and I was like, whoo, I forgot the power of not only just stretching, but I had, my body had become so conditioned of just doing the jogging that I was doing outside. And so my, the ache and the lactic acid and the burning and the pain that I felt the day after was because I was stretching my body because for months it, it had, it didn't have any stretching. And so I think we're afraid. And I was telling an aunt this, you know, in a relationship and I'm being very candid, Andrea, I, I believe, listen, life is so precious and it's too short to be just hiding and holding on to things. And I was telling a loved one who She's she's been married for years. And so now the marriage is in a rocky place. And I said to my aunt, I said, listen, mm -hmm. I said, you're not going to hurt my feelings if you decide that separation or divorce is what you need. I said, if you need to go to counseling, you can go to counseling. But I said, you're not going to hurt my feelings from separating from my uncle. Right. And so I was saying this to her and I said, I, I was afraid of change. Mm -hmm. Change requires it's uncomfortable, Andrea. You got to find new people. You got to find new places to, 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 to work. You got to build new relationships. Don't nobody, no one wants to go through all of that. It's hard. It is hard. But here is the thing that I have learned over the years, Andrea. Change is hard without help. Why are we afraid to ask for help? Because if I ask for help, then I seem weak. Who's going to ask for help? We can just, you know, the superwoman complex or the Superman complex. I don't need you. I'll just sit here on the side of the road instead of calling AAA and spend two, three hours trying to fix my own car instead of getting on the phone and calling AAA and, you know, roadside assistance. And they'll be there in 30 minutes and everything is done. There's this sense of power and pride that comes up when we know in the back of our brain, in the back of our minds, in our subconscious state. I should ask for help. I should really tell my husband that I'm tired of washing the dishes and, and, and homeschooling and going to the grocery store and taking care of his in-laws. But if I ask him for help, I'm, I'm going to be an inadequate wife if I ask for help. If I let my boss know that I'm overwhelmed and I need to take oh. time off, maybe I'll get fired and I can't afford to get fired right now because my kids need me. When instead, you'll be very surprised if you let your boss know or your supervisor on your job that you need some help, it will increase productivity. Mm. But who has time for that, Andrea? Right. 
So we're going to stay where we are. And that's why I believe we don't like change because it requires a stretching. I don't want to do that. I don't want to read. Why should I get a therapist? I have to start telling this therapist of everything that happens to me. Now I'm just going to tell my girlfriend what happened to me. She'll listen. Yeah, she's listening, but she's you, you, you're not getting steps to move forward. It's not helpful. It's not helpful. Men as well, right? Women, I think we have uh we have so many resources, Andrea, as women. I think women we're naturally, we know when when we're enough is enough at some point. But for men, hear me roar. Cry, cry for what? I don't have time to cry. Men don't cry. Mm. You know, never let them see you sweat. We've adopted this mantra in the black community, especially as high achievers, never let them see you sweat. Why? Why? Why have we become accustomed to rejecting vulnerability? We watched our parents. We watched our ancestors. And at what point do we break these chains? What you're doing for our community, what you're doing for me right now, even having this conversation, we had a conversation on the phone last week. You opened up some things for me that I know that I have to still address. Mm. Right. And although I've been in you know, therapy for 19 years and now I've just hired a new coach, I was saying to myself, I really want to work with Dr. Lonika because she went to places without feeling that I'm offending you. Mm. And I think that's what we need. We have to be able to communicate and be with the coach and be with someone that we're not taking it as offense. We're taking it as she's trying to heal me and show me how to cope with my own tools. Yes. And Andrea, if I can say um, to even address, you know, I'm in preparing for the interview this morning, just being prayerfully the last night. One of the things, especially, and I know there are women and men, one of the root issues, because I truly believe, and I'm going to say this slowly, you can't change your fruit unless you address the root. Let me say that again. You cannot change your fruit unless you address the root. And I believe that the root cause of why we take things as an attack or even as what we've seen on TV we, with reality shows, women and men of color, what people have come to think we are behind the scenes and behind closed doors is the core of it is rejection and trauma. Most times when we are reacting and most times when we uh, we say, well, you know, Andrea just told me, well, I shouldn't wear that. Or you're just a hater. You know, mm-hmm. she doesn't want to see me grow. She doesn't want to see me do well. And so what, so what we do is we block people like Andrea. We block people who give us constructive criticism. And the reason why we take it and we are defensive is because we've been rejected. We've been in spaces where we were abandoned. And when people, we needed people to uh, defend us, they didn't defend us. So anytime it looks as if someone is, quote unquote, coming for us or a supervisor or a boss or a coach or someone in our community wants to sit down and confront some things and the way we behave, it's them coming for us. And so we do the blocking. We we engage in the cancel culture. I don't want to have anything to do with Andrea. I told her I was going to start my business. And this is what she said to me. I don't want to ever talk to Andrea. No. Andrea was not telling you not to start your business. Andrea was trying to say, hey, before you start, 
I think you should do X, Y, and Z so you can prevent the extreme and the changes that I went through, right? Before you engage in this next relationship as a coach, Dr. Ornick is not trying to tell you that you're never going to be married and you don't deserve to be married. I'm saying that you should take your time and address what happened in the last relationship. I'm not telling you that you're never going to be a happy parent. What I am saying is, Cursing at your children and yelling at your children is not healthy because it happened to you. So we have to grow up and level up to the place where when someone is saying something that seems inconvenient, the person is not trying out to get us. They are looking out for us. And so we got to reduce this pride. We got to reduce and command this defense mechanism to, to sit down instead of stand up. Because when you're always in the, the flight mode, right? Fight or flight. Mm-hmm. We're familiar with that chemical response. When you're always in that fight, I'm going to get you before you get me. We're always going to be fighting, Andrea. And I think especially in this climate, if we're talking about redefining wellness, at some point, your fight has to stop. Yes. you got to come to a place of surrender. Because it's in that place of surrender where the God on the inside of us, the great one, can stand up. But if you are always standing, when is he going to take control? When? You have, oof, you have something very deep, very special. And I will say this to you. When I started this business, it was a comparison. So-and-so is doing it like this. I can do it like this. It took me a year and a half to say, I'm in my own lane. Mm -hmm. I have something to offer and I cannot look at anyone else. I am attracting the wrong people because I'm going after the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And I have decided to surround myself and look for people that are authentic, that makes me take that mirror and look at myself with all my flaws, without judgment. Because if I can see the flaws and I know what I can work on to change. And this is why our Merge Reflections have taken such a shift because I only want to be around women that's going to hold me accountable, make me vibrate higher as they're vibrating higher and have no problem standing side by side with women and saying, we offer different things, but we stand as one. This is why I reached out to you. This is why I reached out to you. I know that women, all my, and I have a lot of listeners now that's listening, is feeling this conversation because they know it's authentic. Sometimes I can really do a great job and hold my emotions together. But when it touches so deep, I have to release myself. And even if that's happening during an interview, even if that's happening during a taping, it's a real taping. It's real emotions. It's real conversations. And I wish and that our, our, our community continues to involve ourselves with doctors and with women and men like you that is going to just tell the truth. Sometimes I say, I don't have the best delivery doctor, but the way your delivery is, the way it's packaged, it's very hard to reject it. It's very hard to reject it. I I definitely have to say, Andrea, that even with you, and and I believe in giving people their flowers while they are alive. 
And mm-hmm. I will say, Andrea, um, I commend you, one, for not just being open, but sharing the fact that you are in therapy and have been in therapy and you are still doing this work, which means there is a fight in you. There is a fight in you. And I celebrate the fact that while you are growing and developing and evolving, you have not allowed yourself to become muted. No. You've not allowed yourself to become muted. And so with that, I I just want to I just want to celebrate you for even starting this mirrors reflection because you could have very well sit and you know as we're going into talking about mental health, you could have very well sat in your bedroom with the with the windows and the curtains pulled and the blinds closed and sit in darkness and then allow depression to overtake you. You but you've decided as I'm evolving, I am still going to put myself and keep myself on the surgery table. Because it's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times are you going to get up? Mm. So I celebrate you, sister. I celebrate you, high achiever, warrior, princess, conqueror. I celebrate you you. for mirror's reflection. Thank you. Thank you so much. I want want you, I got a lot of questions uh, from, I told a lot of my listeners that uh, you were coming on. And... uh, I got about 30 questions around the same thing of boundaries. Mm. How do I set boundaries? They say with family members, how do I set boundaries with friends? How do I even set boundaries with our mates, with our children? How, and I will tell you this because what I'm struggling with right at this moment in therapy Mm -hmm. is my, with my daughter, we have a great relationship. um, But there are some things that, um, I was not ready to accept with her. Mm. And when you hear it as she's 24, as an adult, and she can articulate and say exactly how she feels, mm. how do you address the past, but not force her to just say, okay, I'm over it. How do you kind of work through the boundaries that, Mom, you didn't accept me as a queer woman when I was, when I told you, mm-hmm. and you rejected me and you, it's like you, you, it's almost like you, that part of me, you threw away. And I suffered with that alone. And I know how much you've done for me and I know how much you love me, but that part I struggle with. I want you to give me and my listeners, because a lot of us as mothers um, is struggling with this. And it's because the time, I'm a 76 baby, that grew up where we did not address these things in our home. And I also grew up in a home with a mom and a grandma that was a trouble witness. And so when I have listeners that's moms who's in their 40s and 50s to say, my son is gay, my daughter is queer, and I don't know how to address it. What do you say? And this is not something I've even spoke about in an open platform. What are you saying? This is crazy good, Andrea. But I want you to close your eyes and I want you to sit with this. Because even though you, this is, first of all, it takes great courage to even say that openly on such a huge platform with people who trust you. But the the true success comes with the honesty. And I want you to ask yourself, 
when, if you can take yourself back into your mind, Andrea, when do you think that homosexuality or the fear of your child be doing something that you did not like was now an interruption or an inconvenience for your life. When she first came out, when your daughter first came out and said, mom, I'm queer, mom, I'm a homosexual. What was that like for you? What was that emotion before? Because before we can address the people that we need to have these conversations within these boundaries, we need to first address the emotion that we have within ourselves. So there's some part of your psyche and your conscious and your subconscious state that made you not just reject your daughter, but reject the fact that you think that she did not live up to your standards. I felt like I failed her. I felt like um, the relationship with my husband, certain things that she saw, certain things that I said, certain things that I did, that I failed her. That's how I felt when she first told me. You know, when Brianna was born, I had this whole idea of, you know, she's going to go to college and she's going to speak these languages. And she did all of that. Highly educated, speaks Italian and Mandarin, all the things that I couldn't do. And the one thing I wanted for my children was to give them the biggest education, the biggest travel, the biggest wedding. And that was the one thing on the list that I felt like I wouldn't be able to have with her. It's a wedding with grandchildren, with a husband. It's, it changed. And I felt like that part of my life was crumbling and I had no control over it. I want you to open your eyes, Andrea. And take a deep breath in. Inhale through your nose, slowly exhale through your mouth. And I want you to drop your shoulders because that was heavy. What I heard in your response was the word failure. You feel as though you have failed as a mother. Who told you that? I feel I got that from my mom. So it's safe to say that at some point with your relationship with your mother, she either made you feel like a failure. Can we say that? And so because you've experienced that emotion with your mother, do you see how that transferred to your daughter with her coming out and saying that she is queer and she is a homosexual and she feels as if you've rejected her mm -hmm. and that part of her life? That's because you were rejected by your mother. So I want us to, I want you to literally, and I know you're, you're a big journaler, Andrea, I can, I can, I can discern that. Mm -hmm. I want you to make this one of your affirmations. You did not fail as a mother. And I want you to say that as, and we want the listeners as well. I am not a failure as a mother. I'm not a failure as a mother. Say it at least three times. I'm not a failure as a mother. I am not, I am not a failure as a mother. I did not fail my daughter. I did not fail my daughter. You didn't. 
And I, and I want you, and I need you to sit in that. You didn't fail your daughter. You did the best that you could, Andrea, with what was given to you, what was passed down to you. Yes, the marriage and the relationship with your husband, there could have been influences and things, but the truth is you were not the initiating or the real reason as to why your daughter has chosen to live a life of homosexuality. And, and, and it is the enemy's job to make you think that that was your fault. Because what he is doing is the time for you to really be with your daughter and to love on her. She's an adult. How old is your daughter, Andrea? 24. She's 24 years old. She's 24 years old. So I want you to literally take what she has said and before you address her and even create any boundaries or anything in that relationship, I want you to address what you felt. So if you don't have grandchildren, if she doesn't have grandchildren, you still deserve to have a great relationship with your daughter. Mm -hmm. We can't choose what people do with their life. And, and, and this is how I've come to learn it psychologically, Andrea. Someone's sexuality, mm -hmm. that's, that's what they choose. Mm -hmm. But don't cheat yourself out on a great relationship mm -hmm. because who your daughter sleeps with mm -hmm is a problem for you. She didn't tell you who to sleep with. You're right about that. <laughs> she has never judged me. Mm. Voices. I had Brianna when I was 19 years old. She's never judged me. And so it hurts me deep, very deep, to see that I caused that pain for her. Is she open to walking, going through therapy with you as mother and daughter? We spoke about it yesterday, yes. Okay, good, good. So as you are, and which is why it is so important, even for me as a coach, mm -hmm. um, I tell people that God created community for a reason. Yes. He created community for a reason. And so it's, it's, it's therapeutic for mm -hmm. you not only to be in therapy, but as you are, you are in individual therapy of your own therapist. Now you're bringing your daughter along because at some point, and I will say, and I'm saying this to you right now, Andrea, she's also going to need to walk through therapy as well, not just in her relationship with you, but there are some things that has happened in your daughter's life pre and post marriage that has also, uh, stagnated her growth as a woman, as a 24 year old woman. So I will say that, but I think that it is going to be helpful to have an unbiased person, an unbiased professional help you walk through. But the first weight that I will tell every mother and every father that is listening right now is to remove the weight and the responsibility that what someone else, is, what someone else did is 100% your fault. Mm -hmm. And it's not, mm -hmm. it's not. Mm -hmm. And so to the question of boundaries, Andrea, mm -hmm. one of the things that I tell people, and I'm going deep into this with my second book as we redefine wellness, mm -hmm. you have to first accept that you need boundaries to be well. Because for so long, especially for me, I know growing up and being raised in, on the islands and being raised in the Bahamas, things like closing the door, don't close the door in my house, you don't pay any bills. Mm. 
What do you mean you want a diary? What do you want a diary for? I need to see what you're writing. What secrets do you have? No, 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 no. Let, leave, leave the phone. No closing doors here. No having private friends. I need your friends to come over to the house. Mm. And so because that's what we heard growing up, when we actually do recognize that we need boundaries, we're now a mean girl. Yes. Now we're I, 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 yeah, you can't call me after 10 o'clock. Oh, so now I can't. Oh, so now you think you're better than me? Mm-hmm. Now you think you're a better woman because, you know, you're Dr. Lornica. I always used to call you after 10 o'clock. That was in a different season. But in the season that I am in, I am on the path to evolving and calling me after 10 or 11 o'clock every night to dump your stress on me is no longer serving me. I appreciate it and I, and, I, I, and I I appreciate the fact that you consider me a great friend, but I need you to recognize that this is my form of protection. Mm. It's great that you want to come over, but you can't come over every day treating me like an ATM. You only withdraw. You never make deposits. Ooh. You have made deposits in this friendship in the last two years. Mm. Every time you called me, it's always been, can I, can I, can I, can I? Can I take, can I take, can I take? You've never really stopped to say, hey, Lornika, what can I do for you? How can I pray for you? Where do you want to go? Mm. Right? So we've become conditioned mm. to letting people withdraw from us. And the moment we want to say, hold up, this isn't working anymore. The thought and the mindset of, oh God, Andrea's going to stop talking to me. My mother's law, my mother-in-law is not going to come over. My relationship and my marriage is going to be over. The moment you put up boundaries with your children. Yes, I have funded everything up until this point, but where my fa- where your father and I are, we cannot continue to aid and abet your habits. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to have to make some changes. And the truth is, Andrea, boundaries are not sexy. Mm-hmm. They're not sexy initially. People are going to reject them because for so long. Let's accept it. We created these monsters, right? And so now I've had to learn, and I was sharing this on another platform this week where about two years ago, um, in, yeah, about two years ago, the Holy Spirit said to me, as a woman who pours, mm-hmm. as a pharmacist, as a woman in wellness, as an influencer, as a voice of impact, you're going to need to set boundaries for yourself or you're going to always be on E. And so I had to do things very practical. I'm very, I'm a very practical coach and woman of faith. Mm-hmm. So those things started like, Andrea, I no longer get email notifications to my phone. Wow. I no longer get social media. I changed the settings. Wow. I know people may say, oh my goodness, she, she, it's a lot. It's a lot for you, but not for me where I am in my life. Look at that. Look at that. I don't have messenger on my phone. I explained this to someone the other day and they were, they were like, what? Yeah. So, which is why even in business, I, you set up boundaries. I have a website. There's an email. I have a team. If it's an emergency that I can't get to, obviously God didn't want me to get to you. Right. So if it is something, if we have to, we have to stop letting people's emergency become our emergency. So if it's a business transaction, I will respond to you the next day. 
but I'm not sitting on Instagram and Facebook messaging someone two, three o'clock in the morning trying to coach you. That's not a bound. That's a boundary I have in place. Right. So I've removed things from starting from my cell phone in the morning. When I get up, my phone is on airplane mode. My routine is I get a glass of water, open up my curtains. I stretch. God, I thank you for waking me up in the morning. I do not run to my phone because what happens is when we run to these devices, these devices set the tone for our day. Thank you. I am receiving it. They set the tone for our day and I don't want to. And no disrespect, because as you mentioned, even with family, I had to reteach my family. I had to reteach my father. I had to reteach loved ones. Listen, I saw your message, but I wasn't able to get to it. I saw your text and I have a girlfriend um, in Arkansas. She she taught me this as well. And so she said she doesn't open text messages until she can read and respond to it. Okay. It takes her 24 hours. And so I've adopted that as well, that I, I see the email, mm-hmm. which is why I say, give me 24 to 48 hours. Mm-hmm. But if your email is coming in at, let's just say 1045 at night, Andrea, and it's a business transaction, yeah. you're so upset and angry. You want me to get out of my bed mm-hmm. to an email and a message at 1045 PM. And now you have an attitude because I did not respond to you. And you know what that says to me, Andrea? You're not the person for me. You're not the client for me. You're not the organization for me because you're disrupting my boundaries. Mm-hmm. And when you disrupt my boundaries, I can't flow well. So setting up boundaries, they're healthy. Okay. Jesus had boundaries. He sure enough did. He sure did. He did. Let, let's go there, Andrea. Yes. He had boundaries. When he needed time, whenever he was going city to city mm-hmm. and he wanted time away because he was pouring and pouring and pouring, he would literally tell the disciples, listen, I'm going at the bottom of this boat. Yes. Please, I need y'all to be the gatekeepers. I need you to protect. I need you to make sure, right? For those people who are in business, have it, having a team and making sure, hey, these autoresponders, I need you to make sure when I go to the bottom of this boat, I'm getting away because I need one-on-one time with my father. I need to hear the next instruction from my season. So I don't want any interruptions. I trust you all. I discipled you. I gave you enough information for you all to protect me. Don't let anybody call me. Don't let anybody knock on my bedroom door because mommy needs this time. I just need 15 minutes with coffee, with my journal and with God. I will come. Mm -hmm. But if you can give mommy, if you can give daddy 15 minutes to sit in the car, can you give me 15 to 30 minutes? Can you go to ask daddy for help? Mm. I'm not going away. Mommy just needs some me time. And so what we're doing is we're reconditioning Mm. people to get acclimated because just saying I'm putting in this boundary, we have to teach people that way. And so, Andrea, I am at this space as a coach, as a speaker, as a consultant, and, you know, now on nonprofit boards, I had to because I was going to send myself Literally, let's be honest, crazy. And I I can't allow anxiety to rule me. I treat people with anxiety. Mm -hmm. I'm coaching women who have mental health. So if I'm coaching them and then I'm experiencing it, how is that going to be fruitful for me? So the first thing is recognize that boundaries are healthy. Mm -hmm. Recognize also that you deserve to guard your heart. Mm -hmm. Because when you don't guard your heart, you let any and everything and everyone in. Mm -hmm. And when you are not 
filtering and when you are not assessing and evaluating who and what is coming in, you're clogging your heart and you're clogging your arteries spiritually and naturally. Wow. What an amazing hour. We touched on a lot of topics. I mean, we're going to replay this a few times uh, on the podcast. I really want people to know where could they hire you? Where can they find your book? Where could they hire you personally as a coach? Please tell the listeners where Lornika. So everyone can find me on, I'm on all, all social media platforms. I am on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Same social media handle at Dr. Lornika. Uh, for persons who are interested in hiring me as a coach, are interested in working with me, you can visit brightlyawake.com. And Brightly Awake is a coaching consulting company helping high achievers and organizations redefine total wellness and their success. Um, they can feel free to either, you know, uh, click the link in my bio on Instagram at docslornika to get on a clarity call. But I do have a coaching program where I work with you month to month. And I also invite other um, experts as well to help me help other individuals and high achievers redefine their success. And so they can visit brightlyawake.com and follow me on all social media platforms at Dr. Lornika to work with me. And they can find my book as well, um, at well as well on brightlyawake.com. And also it's on Instagram and on Amazon. And also I am in the middle of uh, releasing book two, which is going to be going deeper into everything redefining wellness and the conversations and the confrontations that we're afraid to have and how to walk them through it. So it's literally going to be more of a work type book and not just a book sharing stories, but practical tools on how to deal with said topics like the taboo topics, the abuse, the marriage, the corporate job that is no longer satisfying and you're afraid to leave. Mm -hmm. What do you do when, when you don't have support from family and friends and now you have to stand on your own two feet? This is what book two is going to be talking about. So Brightly Awake shares all of that. We are honored. We are excited for the second book. The work that you're doing for our people, the work that you're doing for women is so mandatory, is so needed. This conversation that we had today I know many are going to be thankful and grateful. Thank you for holding space for me for such an intense uh, and vulnerable moment for me. Thank you for that. I'm grateful. I'm honored to you. And I can't wait for us to continue on this newfound relationship that we have started. Yes, yes. I celebrate that and I welcome that as well. Thank you so much for having me. Um, again, the authentic relationship and the vulnerability, I think that's what made this. And I I thank your team for making this process seamless and I'm looking forward to more um, authentic mirror reflections. Thank you so much, Dr. Lorraine. I'm just, this is a great one. This is a great one. And I know the listeners are so grateful to you. So thank you and have a great weekend. Yes, you too. Thank you for joining our Mirrors Reflections with Andrea Jackson. I am excited to announce that we're starting a new segment called Ask APJ, which you can then send me a direct message to my Instagram with any dilemmas that you're facing, any questions that you may have, and we will discuss it on my next podcast live.